Hey everybody, I'm Teresafine Millies and this is Ninth Arcana, a tarot podcast. Today we're talking about the Queen of Cups. The Queen of Cups is a court card. I have not said some very nice things about court cards previously, but I'm really warming up to them. The reason I didn't like them is because I didn't take any time to learn them. And I'm realizing through creating this podcast that the years that I was reading cards, I was fully relying on myself and my own inf- information. And although I very much believe in my own intuition, I now realize that it was pretty naive of me to think that I could pull only from my personal information and read cards. I did it all the time. I read for hundreds of people and it was good enough. But doing this podcast is showing me that if you want to learn something, you have to take time and learn it, which sounds really obvious, but I never had any time for that. This has become a difficult process, more than a fun process, and I'm hoping it's going to switch back. And that's because it's showing me that I can't do everything by myself. I have to read books. I have to spend time learning a thing in order to know a thing. The time that I spent learning the Queen of Cups card took me about two hours. I read a couple books. I looked at the cards the way I always do. I pulled out the information that I already had. And this queen has become something completely different. I learned that she is considered as intuitive as the High Priestess. Previously, I didn't think that any minor cards could be the same as a major card. You know, I thought that the minors were little and less significant and the majors were really big deals. And that's just not true either. There's a reason that they're all in the same deck. You have 78 cards. You don't have 22 really important cards and 56 not as important cards. So those court cards that I pulled out of the deck years ago and refused to read with I was doing myself a disservice not learning them. But let's get to the point. The Queen of Cups is the Queen of Cups or Chalices or Goblets or Vessels. She is the most successful and balanced. She blends imagination and action. She joins consciousness to feeling. She acts in love, but will take the time to get what she wants. Cups is water. Water symbolizes the inner being. Think of a river. The water is constantly changing, but it's always a river. This is the same for our truest self. Self is the river, and water is our life. In the podcast, I keep saying that water is emotion. But I realize now that it's deeper than that. Cups is love. It's imagination. It's joy and peace and harmony and wonder. Cups is water, and water is life. We are made of water. So not only is it emotions, but it's also our insides and our inner workings. Something I haven't spent any time on is correspondences. That's other episodes that I need to get into and I need to write. But I need to reiterate again that the cards aren't pulled one by one in normal readings. They're pulled in spreads. And they're called spreads because the information is spread across the cards. So the idea of this podcast card by card gets more and more complicated the more and more that I understand that you shouldn't be reading cards in seclusion. All of the the symbolism that pops out 
it kind of it all comes at once if there's 10 things on the card it all just shouts at you but if you have three cards in front of you things will be highlighted and some things won't so depending on what cards you're pulling from what decks and what what um, sequence and who's reading them you're going to have different readings and you're going to have different feelings to them and all that just to say wands energize the cups the swords give the cups a directional energy and pentacles they bring the wonder back to reality the queen of cups is the mother of intuition but if you pull her next to a wand it's different than a sword and it's different than a pentacle and it's different than another cup let's just look at the cards Beginning, as always, with the Aquarius and the Waitsmith, this queen is sitting on a throne. On the throne, we see three cherubs. So immediately, I'm looking up what is the symbolism of cherubs. So on LearnReligions.com, it says cherubs are angels recognized in Judaism and Christianity. They guard God's glory on earth and by his throne in heaven. They work on the universe's records and help people spiritually by motivating them to pursue more holiness in their lives. So pulling this out of a religious Christianity mindset, um, motivating people to become more spiritual is like um, signs and messages from the universe at people. It's like when I see certain numbers, it's synchronicity is what I think of. So in my esoteric mind and not Christian mind, I can see the cherubs being angels that give you hints to your own intuition. The queen's throne is on land, but the land is in water. We don't know if this is jutting out from bigger land or if this is just like a little pop-up of an island. The cup she's holding is different from all the other cups. The black pieces on it, those used to look like claws to me. Like it looked like If you hit a button, it would snap itself closed and hold itself closed. But now looking at it, it looks like a profile of an angel with its wings up. This cup doesn't look anything like the rest of the cups in the suit. But it is the queen's cup. So this is an elevated, more special cup. Some books and, and some of the things I've read kind of alluded to it being something that she made herself with her hands. Um, other things made me feel like this was sort of her, her scrying mechanism. This was her crystal ball. And in a lot of the cards, she's looking right into it. And she's so intuitive. It reminded me of that image of a fortune teller looking at her crystal ball. In the Aquarius, the throne is purple, which is the most mystic color. It's the color of intuition. The cloak looks more like fish scales in this card than waves like in the Waitsmith. She's focused on the cup or her eyes are closed. It's one of the two. And in my notes, I wrote, is she psychic? Other important things in the card is that she's surrounded by water. There's some land, but not much. Her feet are right next to the water. So she's right there. She's comfortable with it. She's not worried about it, which means that she is comfortable with emotion and with her inner life. The fact that she's holding something up in her hands and is sitting it's a meditative um focused like she's reading a book maybe like she's taking in information instead of just sitting there staring out into nothing in the morgan greer she's holding a cup that matches the rest of the cup cards it's not some special cup she's painted against a shell 
It's an oyster shell, and it symbolizes beauty and spiritual transition. The shell protects the pearl, so it's a symbol of secrecy and of patience. And that's according to symbolismandmetaphor.com. This queen has a pearl base to her crown, and it's along her dress also. So she's adorned with pearls. The pearl symbolism really stuck out to me. That's something I'm going to hold on to. She also has a crescent moon necklace and a teardrop pearl. That crescent moon necklace reminds me very much of the high priestess card. And the high priestess is the embodiment of intuition and of like underground, dark, mysterious moon energy. TheGemSociety.com says that the pearl symbolizes the journey of the soul along the path to perfection. Pearls are elegance, their wealth, their grace, their style. They have always been popular for brides to wear at weddings. This queen has focus, intuition, she has patience, and she has resolve. This is a queen who has the ability to work through the suffering. In the mythic tarot, the queen is on a throne that is on land, but her feet and her dress are in the water. It's mostly indistinguishable from the water. She is one with and is fully part of this water, of feelings, and of the inner world. Water is intuition. She is intuition. She's holding an apple in her left hand, and there's a snake crawling on her right side. So the left side is the intuitive side, and the right side is the action side. The snake and the apple obviously has to do with Adam and Eve. I'm going to always assume that everyone knows more about the Bible than I do. So I'm not even going to try to explain what the symbolism is with apples and snakes in the Bible. The esoteric symbolism that I understand is that snakes mean transformation. They are always going to be connected with Satan because of the Bible, and that's why snakes have such a bad rap. But the snake can move without legs. It sheds its own skin. Like, they're incredible creatures, and they always mean transformation. The apple is knowledge. It comes from the tree of knowledge, but also you give an apple to a teacher as a thank you for teaching me things. So the apple is knowledge and the snake is transformation. And that's just always what they're going to be. So this queen has knowledge and transformation. She can give these as gifts. She can help you understand them. And the placement I feel like is important because of course it is. The snake on her right is action. You have to do things physically, take action to initiate transformation. The apple is on the left. After you do those things, you will gain knowledge. That is the, the thing that comes after the thing. This queen is absolutely the goal for people who want to understand esoteric, but they don't want to lose their grip in reality. The forbidden knowledge is always esoteric. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. It's forbidden because it's behind a veil. This queen sits behind the veil. In the wild unknown, this queen is actually a mother. She's a swan. Worldbirds.com says that swans mean grace, beauty, love, and trust. They're loyalty. They're linked to inner beauty and self-love. Very similar to the pearl, I think. The swan is a woman that sees beauty and meaning in every day because she understands the undercurrents and she understands the cosmic significance. She can live in this reality, in this pentacle world, but her inner life is underneath and is in the water. 
The line shredder tarot has a queen that has a fishbowl in her hands. She is holding it much in the same way as the queens from the Waitsmith and the Aquarius and the Morgan Greer are holding their very special cup. In addition to the fishbowl with a fish in it, she has a crown of starfish and there's jellyfish around her. The splash, the watercolor splash, is purple and indigo. She's very similar in color to the high priestess. That purple means intuition. That purple is very deeply connected to the high priestess. She seems like a mermaid. She doesn't have a foot in the water. She isn't sitting on a throne, but she's still half human. She's half human and she lives in the water. Fish symbolize spirit and creativity. I know that you've heard the statistic that I've always heard that we've only explored 10% of the ocean, that 90% of the ocean has never been charted or explored or even seen by human eyes. That's not a lot of ocean. That's a really great metaphor for how much we know about ourselves. Our unconscious is home to our hopes and fears. It's our habits and it's our traumas. It's what people unpack in therapy. They live there just under the surface. And unless you dive in and look at them and spend time with them, you're never going to know them. Tarot cards are not magic, but they are a tool to access this unconscious ocean that lives in us. This queen rules over that realm, the realm of water and unconscious. In the holly simple, we have a fish with a human head. So it's only a little bit human. She's got her eyes closed, so maybe she's meditating, maybe she's just calm and inside of herself. But through her power of concentration, she balances her cup and she balances her feelings. Her third eye is a heart and her cup radiates out like ripples on a pond. This makes me feel like she's not the only one benefiting from her stability. In the Luna Soul, we have no land. Her throne is made up of swirls, and the water at her feet isn't calm, but active. It's moving. She has a crystal at her heart, a shell holding her purple cloak closed, a cup in her left hand, right side, and a black orb in her right hand, left side. It looks like there's suns and moons on her cup, and the image is taken at nighttime. Behind her, the water is calm. This gives me the idea that she's gone through something and smoothed it out. And the water in front of her that's tumultuous is what she's working on now. The queens are the feminine pentacle of the sign. Another very gendered idea. Some decks use mother in place of queen. I like that a little bit more. Mother is more like soft. It's more like a mentor. It doesn't necessarily have to be a woman, just a parent figure. I like thinking of the queen as a mentor. She encourages and she's gentle. And the king is a mentor that pushes a little bit more. It seems to me that this queen, mother, mentor, is telling me to start meditating again, which is very good advice. The court cards are going to be hard until you spend some time with them. The queen of cups is the high priestess. The same as the knight of wands is the empress. But we'll get there. She is the inner world. She is held focus. She is strength and fortitude. She is protection. She is psychic without madness, without darkness. She understands the cosmic significance to it all, and she accepts it, and she rolls with it. This queen tells us not to avoid the beach. You can put your feet in the water, or you can become a fish. 
but get in the water either way. Dive into that unconscious because that's where the good stuff is. It's the buried treasure. If you pull the queen of cups, she's telling you to stop avoiding yourself. All of the insight that you're ever going to need is inside and it's waiting for you. Speaking of inside, next episode, we're going to talk about the hermit. Thank you so much for listening to Ninth Arcana. You can follow me, rate or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. New episodes always Wednesdays and Fridays. Now you should go pull some cards. Okay. Love you. Bye. Ninth Arcana is created, written, produced, and edited by me, Teresa Fien Millies. Thank you for listening.